Stories carry with them great power. They can transport us into the light and into the dark. And into a place in between, a land of shadows. It is in this land where the macabre and the strange reign. With tales of terror. Tales of hope. Tales of the whimsical. And the weird. These are stories told in the shadows. And we are the Shadow Storytellers. Is there anything that screams December more than the hearty scent of freshly baked gingerbread? Be it in the form of cut-out gingerbread people or the ever-classic gingerbread house, this particular baked good can hold myriad uses for expressing many a type of holiday cheer, and in the hands of a talented artist can make culinary wonders that boggle the mind. However, in hands with darker intentions, it can be used for something both righteous and sinister. Revenge. The truth will come out with a particularly detailed gingerbread house guiding the way in today's Twisted as a Candy Cane tale, The Gingerbread's the Thing. The ashes interfered with the texture of the dough more than Celia was hoping they would. It crumbled in her hands, and for a moment she was sure she had added too much and ruined the whole thing. A few dashes of oil and cold water soon brought the grit and crumbs smoothly together, however and she was able to roll the gingerbread out neat and flat to cut out the pieces she needed. Three outer walls and an open front, a flat roof, a shorter inner wall lined with open doors which would soon form a hallway full of classrooms, a backstop for a basketball hoop, to be finished later with a round pretzel for the hoop itself and a candy cane for the stand. She should be getting more than just extracurricular participation credit for this, Celia thought. This was art and geometry and chemistry all rolled into one. If it turned out the way she was picturing it, it was going to be better than anything she'd ever made for Diorama Day. She took extra care molding each figure who was to inhabit her gingerbread school, each of the 53 members of her graduating class, plus one. That last piece of dough turned warm in her hands as she kneaded it, back and forth, over and over, planning how to shape it into a single representation of the body whose remains were spread throughout the batch. Finally, she rolled it out to the perfect thickness, pressed in the cookie cutter for a gingerbread person, and used the last dough trimmings to shape her twin sister's spiky haircut and favorite messenger bag. It was a minimalist rendering, but once it was baked and had its frosting painted on, recreating the logo on the bag, the highlights in the hair, and the exact color of her everyday lip gloss, it would be impossible to mistake who it was. Zara would be the focal point of the piece, and also its insurance policy. The teachers would want to scold Celia for taking her position on the decorating crew as an excuse to recreate the hallway and gymnasium where such a recent tragedy had occurred. They would consider her selfish and snobbish for reserving the central indoor space of the corridors for only certain students she knew well, and leaving the rest out on the snowy school grounds. But this gingerbread school would not simply show where Zara had died. It would show where she had lived, where she had been happiest. It would show her in her prime, surrounded by the people she had known best. It would be a tender tribute to the dead, and even if it might arguably be a touch tasteless in that regard, it would be the earnest product of a grieving mind. That alone should be enough to make it uncomfortable to say a word against. The teachers would bite their lips and wait out the season, while Celia's lovingly crafted reminder of that day dominated the very same hallway it depicted, 
taking center stage in its holiday display and staring down all who passed by. Maybe a few of the more prominently featured individuals would even give themselves away King Claudius-style by getting upset about it. Celia couldn't wait to see who. Maybe those same people would try to vandalize it and get in trouble. Not the trouble they deserved, but some. If not, the class would gather in January to destroy it legitimately when the decorations came down. Celia was sure at least a few of them would be compelled to eat parts of the ornamental confection they'd only been able to stare at for weeks, no matter how stale it might be by then. Only this time the gingerbread wouldn't simply be stale. Under all the candy decorations, Celia would feed them what everything in her own life now tasted of. Ashes, ashes. Bitter, ash-flavored laughter rocked through Celia, making her hands shake as she slid the first two trays into the oven. The class was lucky she hadn't added something to make them all fall down. As the gingerbread baked, she snuck Zara's urn back into her parents' closet. There was still plenty left in it. They'd never know the difference. It's... Well, I know she would have liked it. This was one of the few adult comments on the gingerbread school that acknowledged Zara at all and it came from their math teacher, Miss Douglas, who had either volunteered or been volunteered for the task of monitoring the holiday decorating committee. She helped Celia hoist her masterpiece carefully onto the eye-level shelf of one of the seasonally changing display cases. Most other teachers and staff who happened by the committee's activities chose to comment on something other than the gingerbread school, or found something safer to say about it. It's so... accurate. Very... Impressive what you did with those wafer-cookie bleachers. Some of her classmates were a little blunter. What the fuck, Celia? That was Lydia, captain of the girls' basketball team, first volunteer for the decorating committee and all-around resume stacker. You might as well have strung her up on the hoop and been done with it, because that's all anyone's going to see when they walk past this thing. Celia considered Lydia for a while without responding, trying to decide whether this was a Claudius-grade response or not. Dude, I know you're going through something beyond crazy right now. That one was Carl. He was on the boys' team, though Celia didn't know what position. He wasn't on the decorating committee at all, but had found this conversation important enough to insert himself into as he passed through the hallway on the way to practice. I mean, I totally respect it. Twins and all, that's intense, but her teammates go to this school too, you know? What do you think this is going to be like for them to have to see? For all the people who were there? Were you there? Celia asked flatly, making Carl stumble. You know I was, he said. If you play, you don't miss the basketball slumber party. Were you in the room? She pressed. In the gym. Did you actually witness her jumping from the hoop with the banner around her neck? No. Nobody did he said. We told you, we all came back from the relay sprint down the halls, and we found... Anyway, what does that have to do with... Sorry, I have to get to class. Celia turned away from him to continue hanging garlands over the top of the case. She made no move toward any of the classrooms. It's 4.30, Carl protested. Celia checked her phone. Sure is. Carl waited expectantly for her to come up with a better excuse to dismiss him. She didn't bother. 
He had told his story again, and she would check back in occasionally to monitor whether it had changed, as she would with everyone. Until then, she had what she needed. Unbelievable, he muttered, jogging to make it to the life-sized version of the gym he couldn't bear to see rendered in edible scale model form. Those were the loudest objections, although Celia also took note of the dark glances from Megan, Emmy, Will, and Austin, all of them basketball players, as well as Coach Fredrickson, who managed both teams. Her sparse ponytail ruffled itself rather comically at the sight of Gingerbread Zara smiling out at her. The first incident took until Tuesday of the next week to occur. Celia was running a few minutes late, lost in wondering whether she was still immune to tardy write-ups and whether she cared, when she saw a cluster of people stopped in front of the gingerbread school, hissing over each other in hushed voices. With a burst of anticipation she hadn't felt for anything in months, except for the moment when she'd hatched the gingerbread school idea in the first place, she bounded over to shove her way to the front of the crowd. Don't look, Carl warned her. She ignored him. We're going to find out who did this, Emmy said, reaching out a hand to administer a reassuring shoulder pat. Damn right we are, Celia thought, ducking under Emmy's hand and finally reaching the glass of the case, expecting to find it smashed and the gingerbread school along with it. The school, the glass, and the lock holding it shut were all perfectly intact. The gingerbread students, too, were uninjured, except for a few lost crumbs from where someone had surgically pried them out of the icing floor to rearrange them. The interior of the gingerbread school had been cleared of all non-basketball players, making the grounds even more crowded than before. These exiled bystanders looked at each other, their icing smiles somehow more brittle and nervous than before. Meanwhile, the gingerbread members of the two teams were packed into the gingerbread gym, staring up in shock at where the gingerbread Zara was hanging from the pretzel hoop by a Twizzler noose, a pocky stepladder knocked over at her feet. The detail was impeccable, at least as much so as Celia's original work. Bringing, untwizzling, and tying the Twizzler was the least of the effort the Vandal had put in. They would have had to make a fresh batch of icing to fill in the holes in the floor, cement the cookies in their new places, and adjust their minimalist expressions ever so slightly. And Celia wasn't sure there weren't other changes she was missing as well. Realizing that the crowd was now watching her as much as the gingerbread school, and that she was running out of seconds to spend in plausible, stunned silence, Celia flattened the vindication out of her voice and asked, Where's Lydia? She was the most likely culprit, wasn't she? She was the one who'd said the thing about how Celia should have just made it this way in the first place. On the other hand, Megan would have had an easier time getting into the case without breaking anything, what with her mother being the art teacher. Where was she? If Celia could just catch one of them with an open bag of Twizzlers, she'd be sure. I haven't seen Lydia today, said Emmy. We can't just leave it like this, said Carl. I'll go get someone to take it down. No, Celia shouted, throwing herself against the glass, guarding as much of it as possible. I can fix it. She grabbed the edge of the glass and pulled, ignoring the lock in her frenzy, or rather, taking the excuse to test it. It was still staunchly doing its job. I have to fix it, she shouted. I can't just let someone make it disappear. Not when it was working so well. Not before she could catch Zara's killer red-handed in the act of spiting her memory. 
Celia kept shouting until Miss Douglas appeared with her keys and a soothing, hushing, endless string of syllables. There, I know, I know, but you don't have to fix it now. We'll just put it somewhere safe until the end of the day. You can take all the time you need tonight. I know, it's awful. We'll make sure it doesn't happen again, but I'm sure Zara understands what you're trying to do. Nothing can hurt her anymore, I promise. Celia did take her time that night, putting the gingerbread school back in order. When she was done, the nervous expressions on the cookies remained. Their features were too delicate to risk altering, and the floor was a little too high from the extra layer of icing, but it otherwise looked exactly as it had when she'd first put it together. When she returned it to its place the following morning before class, with Miss Douglas's help, she asked if she could turn the key herself, just to feel completely satisfied that it was secure and then asked how many other people had copies. While Miss Douglas counted them off reassuringly on her fingers, glancing around at their respective classrooms to jog her memory, Celia slid a bigger, industrial-looking key off Miss Douglas's key ring, the one that looked like the only likely match for the school's main entrance. "'Feel better?' Miss Douglas asked, as Celia checked the case one more time. "'Much,' she said, passing the ring back only slightly lighter than it had been before." Thank you. During every break throughout the day, every dash from one class to the next, Celia made sure to walk down that hallway, no matter how far out of the way it was, checking whether her Claudius had struck yet. By final period, there wasn't so much as a fresh fingerprint on the glass in front of her gingerbread school. Nothing changed during the hours of the after-school activities, which Celia spent skulking in the library at the other end of the hallway, where she could peek out periodically to check. That made sense, Celia supposed. The drama club had the gym that afternoon, so the ball players had already gone home, or at least appeared to. Celia's mother waited until five to text and ask where she was. She replied with something about staying over at Emmy's house, because Emmy was the first name to pop into her mind. It wouldn't matter who she picked for her alibi. Presented with the promise of a whole day of not having to pretend to be strong in front of her, Neither of her parents would be motivated to do any verifying. When the time came, Celia filed outside among the drama kids and journalism kids and the trading card kids she'd been watching in the library. Her fellow seniors soon split off to head for the coffee shop down the street. She walked at the back of their group and found herself a solitary spot at the end of the bar. At 6.30, when the parents and the other lingering seniors had finally cleared out and left the campus a full ghost town, Celia returned to test out Miss Douglas's key. It turned easily, giving her access to the now vacant front corridor, with the case and gingerbread school still as she had left them. That was good. She still hadn't missed anything. But it could be any moment now. Whoever had it out for Zara's cookie memorial would need time and privacy to alter it the way they had before. This was really the only reasonable opportunity for it to happen, after school had closed. Celia stepped into the open doorway of the nurse's office across from the display case, where she would be able to see it without being immediately seen by anyone entering the hallway from either side. There she pulled up a chair, and waited. By eight o'clock, anticipation had blunted to impatience, and Celia was starting to wish she'd ordered something more substantial than a latte during her coffee shop wait. Content that she'd be able to hear anyone arriving in that echo chamber of a hallway, she stood up and went to explore deeper in the nurse's office, hoping to find something to tide her over. Substantial wasn't a word she'd use for anything she found stashed behind the desk, 
but there were a few hypoallergenic cereal bars for diabetic emergencies, and, under a binder in the bottom right drawer, a sizable half-full bottle of vodka. "'Sorry, Nurse Hayes,' Celia murmured, carrying it over to her waiting chair along with an armful of cereal bars. "'I won't tell if you won't.' She raised the bottle to the figure of Zara, staring cheerfully back at her from behind the display case. "'You were always telling me to live more and worry less, weren't you?' She took a swallow of the eye-watering liquid. Bet you're finding all this hilarious. After several more sips, it was all starting to look mildly comical to Celia as well. They're not coming tonight, are they? She asked the Zara cookie, forgetting to be quiet enough to catch them by surprise if they were in fact coming. They waited days last time. They could again. Or maybe they've just gotten it out of their system. She drank. But I'm not going to let anyone tell me you did this to yourself, she promised. Not ever. In apparent response, the Zara cookie put one of its fingerless hands to the spot where its heart would have been, and then reached it out in Celia's direction. Nearly toppling out of her hard folding chair, Celia screwed the cap back on the bottle, set it down by the doorframe, and dashed across to the display case, scattering her cereal bar wrappers from her lap. Zara? she breathed, and then wiped the fog of her breath hurriedly from the glass. She fully expected to find the cookie back in its original position, its movement nothing but a trick of the mind, yet she hoped to find it still reaching for her, ready to open its little frosted mouth to say something, anything that would make the past few months since Zara's death make the slightest lick of sense. The cookie did neither. Its greeting for Celia had concluded, but its animation had not and it turned and made its way into the gingerbread gym, trudging through the rock-hard icing as if it were fresh, powdery snow. The rest of the gingerbread students began walking, too, and Celia nearly lost track of Zara in the shuffle, as each cookie marched silently to its seemingly prearranged position. Zara's march ended in the gym, near the bleachers on the right, among the rest of the girls' team. The boys all stood in the hallway, lined up side by side and waiting for something. Although Celia had not been quite so bold as to make a cookie for Coach Fredrickson, one of the other gingerbread students, a ponytail-equipped one, gathered up a handful of snow icing and molded itself a whistle, taking its surrogate place at the opposite end of the hallway. The rest crowded the exterior once more, their mini M&M eyes sliding ever so slightly sideways to watch, leaving movement smears of brown, blue, or green that made the direction of their gazes perfectly clear. There was a pause, what Celia took to be a transitional moment between setup and the thing being set up for, and she found herself holding her breath along with the cookies in the stillness, waiting for whatever it was. The coach stand-in blew on her tiny sugar whistle, producing a faint, high sound that Celia could easily have mistaken for a momentary ringing in one of her ears. One of the gingerbread boys, the one whose tic-tac ear stud and faint suggestion of a mustache represented Austin, took off down the hallway slapped the door that would have led to a gingerbread library if Celia had made one, ran back, and slapped the hand of the next boy in line, the gingerbread Carl. Carl ran the length of the hall as Austin had done, but when he returned and slapped Will's hand in succession, he didn't step to the side to watch the outcome. As soon as the attention of his teammates and the stand-in coach was on Will, Carl stepped into the gym, where Zara and Megan were now busy hanging a bright red Twizzler banner across the court. 
Megan perched on the edge of the bleachers for this purpose, while the shorter Zara used that familiar pocky ladder. The rest of the gingerbread girls sat on the bleachers, gesturing advice on how to adjust the banner's placement. They might have been shouting instructions, too, but Celia couldn't hear any more than a high, warbling chatter, even when she pressed her ear flat to the glass. She soon gave up on deciphering words and pulled back enough to watch Zara intently instead. She'd already been so distracted by the more dramatic movements among the gingerbread boys in the hallway that she hadn't noticed the Twizzler or Pocky come into existence, and she didn't mean to miss another detail. She wouldn't take her eyes off the one cookie that mattered again. Carl crossed the gym, just within Celia's fixed range of vision, fiddled around with something on or under the bleachers, and then sat next to Lydia. The two of them exchanged a lower string of chatter that Celia still couldn't hear, but Zara clearly could. Zara turned to look at them. Carl and Lydia both tucked their hands behind them as Zara descended toward them, the rest of the gingerbread girls watching in sudden silence. The gingerbread boys continued their race out in the hall. Celia was straining desperately to understand the altercation taking place between Zara, Lydia, and Carl, when a shout from firmly within the human vocal range made her jump back with a yelp. Shit, said the real flesh-and-blood Carl from the end of the hallway. Celia suddenly couldn't remember exactly what she'd been planning to do when the gingerbread vandal revealed themselves. As soon as she'd seen the cookies move on their own, she'd completely forgotten her certainty that there was such a person. Shit what? Multiple other voices asked from around the corner. Shit, she's here right now, Carl answered. Then what are you doing? The voice that definitely belonged to Lydia called after him as he started down the hall towards Celia. Fuck it, Carl replied. Too late to turn back now. Reluctantly, Lydia followed after him, Emmy and Megan trailing behind her. Megan pocketed her mother's keyring as she went. I won't let you touch it, Celia warned them, as firm as she could be while at the same time refusing them her attention, turning it instead back to the gingerbread reenactment. It was the cookies who would show her plainly who the guilty party was, not the suspicious yet cryptic reactions of her human classmates themselves. But when her eyes found gingerbread Zara again, it was already too late. She was hanging from the Twizzler, barely even swinging anymore and the rest of the gingerbread boys' team had joined the girls in their shocked staring. Whatever had happened in between, Celia had missed it. No! Celia clutched at the edge of the case. I knew it had to be you, Lydia accused when she was within a few yards of Celia. Who else would have been tacky enough to turn Zara's death into a fucking Christmas decoration? Obviously, you were the one sneaking in to change things around to fit whatever weird, morbid little statement you've been trying to make, because you knew no one would let you just make it that way in the first place, and even if they had, you wouldn't have been able to play the victim that way. I didn't believe them, Emmy said, stunned and disappointed. When they said it was you, I actually would have helped you fix it if you'd asked me. I don't care what you would have done, Celia said blankly staring at the inanimate gingerbread house, grasping at fibers of plans for how she would arrange to watch it for one more night, uninterrupted this time. Maybe she could take it home. She would have to break the case to do it, though, and she got the distinct sense that Carl and Lydia in particular weren't about to just let her carry the gingerbread school past them and go home as if nothing had happened. How could you? Megan started. I didn't, Celia said, not particularly expecting the others to believe her. Sure, said Carl, 
coming to a stop in front of the case, only inches to her right. He made a sound of disgust when he looked inside. We're sorry about Zara, but we're not going to let you keep torturing everyone like this. Stay away from it, said Celia. Move, said Carl. Celia gave the first shove, thrusting both palms flat into Carl's unprepared stomach with all her weight, winding him briefly and knocking him back. But she had never played a physical game in her life if she could avoid it, and Carl was bigger than she was by a third, with much longer arms. When he caught his balance and the neckband of her sweater, there wasn't much she could do to keep him from forcibly yanking her to the side, removing her from in front of the case. With her target now unobscured, Lydia turned, braced herself, and put her elbow through the glass, which instantly disintegrated into a cascade of tiny, jewel-like pieces. A few of them landed among the gingerbread bystanders out on the grounds, but the gingerbread school itself looked untouched for the moment. Lydia pulled the tray out, shook off the few stray shards, and then lifted it over her head, ready to bring it crashing down to the floor. No! Celia screamed, thrashing against Carl. No, please! All other plans exhausted, she was willing to beg. Tears sprang to her eyes that she was disturbed to discover were entirely real. Please don't, 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 don't kill her again! Lydia hesitated with the gingerbread school held straight out in front of her, perhaps unsettled by the words, but more likely by their intensity. Lydia had asked Celia to cry once. Actually asked her to. She had asked for the opportunity to give comfort, and to be comforted that her own feelings were not the only ones in existence. Celia had not complied. In fact, for weeks after Zara's death, no one had been able to stop commenting on Celia's quietness, or her indifference to what effect the few things she did say might have. She had made a few scenes, certainly, like when she'd found the Zara cookie hanging for the first time, but not like this. Never so real. By this point, it seemed, her classmates had become so accustomed to her newfound calculated stoicism that they couldn't fathom the noise or the need that poured out of her now. Jesus, Celia, said Carl, similarly thrown, though not thrown enough to let her go. They're just cookies. Look! No! Celia gave one more desperate shriek as Carl reached out into the gingerbread school, plucked the gingerbread Zara from her Twizzler noose, and bit her head off. He chewed the ash-laced gingerbread for a few more seconds than normal, keeping his face carefully neutral, apparently determined to follow through on his demonstration without adding a cruelly irrelevant critique of Celia's baking skills. At Carl's encouraging gesture, Lydia grabbed her own likeness and bit into it, ignoring Celia's ongoing cries of protest. Then she held out the school to the other girls. Emmy kept her eyes fixed reproachfully on Celia, as if she were somehow forcing her to grab an ash cookie from the gym tableau at random. She ended up with Carl's. Not to be left out, Megan took the Emmy cookie and nibbled at one of its arms without relish. Carl set Zara's headless gingerbread body down in the crowd of gingerbread bystanders, grabbed the Megan cookie, and shoved it in front of Celia. It's just a cookie, he repeated. Just stop being crazy and we can all go home. The words weren't convincing, and nor were any words he might have chosen to speak instead. But they did cause Celia to stare disbelievingly up into his face. That was the only reason she noticed the way his hair had begun to separate into spikes. His usually blue eyes darkened to the exact color and reflectiveness of a brown M&M, 
and just as his pupils vanished completely, the left eye gave her a single, sisterly wink. He wiggled the Megan cookie a little more gently in front of her, and Celia understood quite plainly that she was being invited into her own creation, into the gingerbread school, into the scene she'd only been able to squint at from outside its missing wall. That was all she wanted. She took the Megan cookie, chewed a single bite, and smiled as she felt a phantom warmth slide down her throat. Piloting what still looked more or less like Carl's body, Zara let go of Celia's arm and turned toward the gym. Celia followed without having to think about it, Megan Cookie in her stomach puppeting her legs to carry out some mechanical homing instinct. She could smell Megan's shampoo in her own hair, and the inside of her mouth tasted of gingerbread, though the one bite of Cookie was long gone. Megan's actual body, now presumably under the influence of the Emmy Cookie, and Lydia's under the influence of her own, fell into step beside her. Lydia dropped the gingerbread school on her way with a crash. It didn't matter. They would need a larger set for their show this time. Emmy, or rather, the Carl Cookie, took off in the opposite direction at full sprint, but that didn't matter either. He'd be back at the end of his turn in the relay race. Once inside the gym, Zara retrieved the maintenance ladder from its tucked-away spot beneath the bleachers, set it up on the right side of the room, and began to climb. Celia climbed to the top of the bleachers on the left side, Megan's position, relaxing and allowing her muscles to create their own impulses, watching herself from the inside. And watching the others, too. This time, no matter what, she wasn't going to miss a thing. There was no banner waiting in the room to be hung, but Zara tossed her a corner to hang anyway, a sticky, strawberry-scented bolt of fabric appearing out of her big, borrowed hands as it flew across the space between them. Celia couldn't reach the right spot at first, but her legs soon extended to reach the height the Megan cookie needed to play her part. A swell of heat and ginger aroma marked their rebaking. A little to the left, Lydia advised from below. And up another few inches, Emmy added. As Celia adjusted the banner to their specifications, Carl joined them at last, half sneaking, half sprinting through the gym's entrance, Emmy's borrowed body shining with sweat the texture of egg whites from running his race. Celia watched carefully as Carl reached under the bleachers to retrieve something that was not there, not for this impromptu reenactment, but as with the banner, this minor limitation didn't matter. The necessary prop spun itself into existence in Carl's hands, fine sugar crystals building on top of one another, extending themselves into needles. Fluid the color of lemon zest filled each sugary hypodermic. For you, Carl told Lydia, taking the seat beside her and setting the needles casually between them. Enough to get you through winter break. Though they spoke softly, even at full scale, Celia could hear them now. Inevitably, as before, so did Zara. Oh, come on! Zara boomed down at them at full volume, her voice feminine in pitch, unmistakable in cadence, but amplified by the broad resonance chambers of Carl's chest. Tell me you're joking. Oh, don't freak out on me, said Lydia, sliding the doses behind her. Don't freak out? Zara descended the ladder and stood instead on the bleacher tier where Carl and Lydia sat, towering over them with one end of the candy cloth banner still in her hands. You just put an asterisk next to every game we've ever won that had you in it. 
every game I've ever won. Excuse me, said Lydia. The games you won? More than you won them, apparently, said Zara. At least I wasn't cheating. Zara turned to Carl. How long have you been getting her this stuff? What's it matter to you? Carl asked, standing up. The hot, baking ginger smell returned as Carl's borrowed body expanded to fit its role. It was a more violent expansion than the lengthening of Celia's legs. Dry, cookie-cracking sounds emanated from the petite torso of Emmy, spilling skin crumbs down onto the bleachers. It spread out horizontally as well as vertically, until its proportions could be called imposing compared even with the everyday Carl-sized body that Zara currently inhabited. You're not the one on the hook if someone finds out, said the now hulking and misshapen Carl. And no one's going to find out, right? Oh, because I'm going to be quiet and help you keep poisoning her for money, challenged Zara with her hands on her hips. I asked him, Lydia protested. It was my decision. Zara rolled her M&M eyes. And when other girls have to choose between letting you cheat them or poisoning themselves too, that'll be their decision. And his payday. I only sell here, said Carl. I help our school get noticed. Wow. Zara tried to step around the other two toward the door, absently trailing the banner behind her. Hey! Lydia grabbed the banner to try to stop her. Don't you dare! You're going to ruin the entire season for everyone. You'll wreck all the work I put into applications this year. Carl could go to jail and... and Christmas. Do you want everyone to spend the last few days before break getting rounded up and tested and lectured and having their parents called? Zara just dropped the banner and kept walking, but Lydia lunged forward and looped it around her to hold her still. Let go, said Zara. No, said Lydia. Not until I'm sure you get the stakes here. Zara tried to wriggle free, but only succeeded in moving the loops of the banner up to her neck. Say you're not going to wreck everything, said Lydia. Promise me! The other end of the banner jerked out of Celia's hands in the struggle, and that was when she realized that she had not moved a muscle throughout the altercation. Under the Megan Cookie's guidance, her muscles had shown no impulse to move themselves. Even after this realization, her body remained as stale and rigid as the real Megan's body presently looked, with the Emmy cookie possessing it. She was watching from a few tears down the bleachers, unmoving. Promise, Lydia demanded, but Zara could not have promised anything with the banner wrapped as tightly as it was. Her face was turning the candy colors of cherry and blue raspberry. Let me. Carl grabbed the banner easily out of Lydia's hands, looped it a couple more times around Zara's throat, pulled until a crackle of bone could be heard and then held it tight for several more seconds, the gym as silent as a snowfall around him. Then he tossed the long end of the banner in the air, threading it through the hoop on the first try. Lydia stared at him, her face defaulting to horrified, though she seemed to be in the process of deciding exactly how horrified she really was. You said it, said Carl. About the stakes? He began reeling in the banner, hoisting Zara's body, really his own body, into the air and preparing to secure it to the hoop's base. It didn't take long for Lydia to shake off enough of her shock to go move the ladder from the far right of the gym to the middle, next to the hoop, a plausible spot for Zara to have jumped from. As the players all reached their closing tableau, 
Zara rotated heavily on the end of the banner, one of her M&M brown eyes coming into view. It closed one more time, purposefully, before fading back into a newly dead shade of blue. The persistent background smell of gingerbread switched off like a light. Celia's body unstuck itself. Then the screaming began, as Lydia, Emmy, and Megan padded down their restored bodies and began the process of figuring out what had just happened and what would happen next. Only the banner around Carl's neck, that strange hybrid cloth and candy, remained of the gingerbread alchemy. Celia sat back and rested her elbows against the bleacher tear behind her, uninterested in the happenings of other days, past or present. She had only asked about one, and that would have to do. The Gingerbread's The Thing was written and performed by Fiona J.R. Tichinell. Narration was provided by Matt Carter. This episode was edited by Fiona J.R. Tichinell and Matt Carter. The Shadow Storyteller's holiday theme, written, arranged, and performed by Dennis Tichinell. The Shadow Storyteller's artwork by Kristen McQuiggan of Drop Dead Designs. For more information on The Shadow Storyteller's podcast and our other fiction works, please visit our website at theshadowstorytellers.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe for more information on upcoming episodes. We hope you had fun, have some truly happy holidays, and we'll see you again soon.